MailChimp presents. Ever heard of a customer? You know, it's when marketers group all their customers, regardless of their different behaviors, into one big mess. But with MailChimp, you can use real-time behavior data to personalize emails for every customer based on their browsing and buying behavior, turning your customers into customers. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. Hey there, friend. I'm Paul Jarvis, and you're listening to Call Paul, Business as Unusual, where we explore how business owners are working their way through their first pandemic. I've raced hard marathons. I've put in mileage. I've run through a lot of pain. Getting up at midnight, not the hardest thing I'm going to do. I always tell people that when a race director or a company has to cancel a race, that is the worst day of the year. Nobody goes into this business and nobody plans a race for it to be canceled. That's Michelle LaSala, the president of Blistering Pace Race Management. Not only does she run marathons, 32 so far, but she's also the race director for some of the largest U.S. marathons. You know, the ones that you see on TV that look like a vast sea of runners taking over an entire city. Michelle's job is basically to spend months and months preparing to run a small country for a day, race day. While some businesses can pivot to a more online approach, when it comes to an event-based business like Michelle's, it's largely a wait-and-see approach, kind of a business purgatory. Based in Napa Valley, California, Michelle is biding her time, working on logistics for canceling races, and thinking about how reconnecting with her running community will work. I started running with my dad when I was in third grade, and I've always just run because I like running, and I don't really need an extra carrot to get me out the door. When you get into the day-to-day of being a race director, um, it is easy for me to get up at, I mean, it gets harder every every year that I get older, but it's easy for me to get up at midnight uh, to go out to the Chicago Marathon start line, which is one of my tasks, because I know that I am going to enable 40,000 people to, to walk away with a memory that hopefully they're going to live for, you know, have forever. So how did you go from being a a runner of races to being an organizer of races? You don't generally go on like careerbuilder.com and see a job posted for director of operations for, you know, the Chicago marathon or something. That's just not really how it works. And so I found myself working as a promoter in the LA marathon booth at the New York City Marathon. That ended up with a job offer and me moving to LA to be the volunteer coordinator for the LA Marathon. And then I was able to get a job with the New York Roadrunners Foundation, which those are the folks behind the New York City Marathon. 
And so I worked as the charity team coordinator for the New York City Marathon. I was there for five years in New York. I moved back to my hometown, which is Sacramento. I started working for the California International Marathon. I worked there for five years. And then, you know, there was an email about a race in San Francisco who was looking for a new race management company because the one that they had used for 20, 25 years was retiring. And I thought, huh, a race management company, I think I could do that. I think I could put on that race. Uh, and so I bid on the race. I put a proposal together to manage the race for them. And I said, if you choose me, I will build a company. And here we are four, four and a half years later. The rest is history. Wow. What was it like at the beginning when you started Blistering Pace? I started it as a one-man band. I was the president of the company. I was the accountant. I was paying bills. I was the marketing manager. I was the operations director. I, my first year in this business, I had to do everything. And that, I, I guess, unfortunately or, or fortunately, is not different from many other you know, races and race management companies. I mean, we all kind of operate like that. So for those of us not in the running world, how do you sum up what a race director or a race company does for a race? If we're doing full race management for a race, we do everything from setting up the registration platform to take the race registrations throughout the year. Uh, we're the customer service behind the race registration. We are getting the permits. We are managing the operations ordering the supplies, working on road closure details, working with all the vendors, shirts, ordering metals, cones, barricades, traffic equipment, changeable message boards, orchestrating all of these things to come together on the day of the race, working with city agencies, meetings surrounding that, and then also managing a lot of the key captains or key volunteers who are out there on race day, you know, the aid station captains who manage the groups of volunteers that hand out cups of water. There's, there's a lot that goes into, I mean, every single detail that you can think of that's happening at the race is what we deal with a lot of times for a full year leading up to the race. We also manage all of the marketing that's involved for the race. And then we manage the sponsorship elements as well. Uh, so two of the races that we work on have title sponsorships. Those are very important relationships that take, you know, a lot of time and a lot of creativity, but pretty much anything you can think of, we are, we're managing, we're dealing with. So that seems like a million jobs <laughs> in one job. Somebody recently just said to me, I didn't realize that you don't get to sleep a lot the night before. <laughs> <laughs> um, so multitasking is a huge key to what we do and we have to have people who can multitask, but also who can anticipate what needs to get done. And so we plan everything as best we can. You know, we have, we have a plan for the plan, as we like to say, as time goes on and you do it more and more you've seen all kinds of crazy things happen and you, you can pull from memory like, Oh, remember the one race where this happened and instead we did this. Um, or like, you know, the aid station truck breaks down and now, you know, how are you going to get 
all the supplies that you need on the course out there. Um, the more experience you have, the easier pivoting becomes because you have some knowledge to pull from. But we also have these really detailed timelines by the minute uh, so that we know what everyone is supposed to be doing and everybody knows what they are supposed to be doing. What was the worst or, or weirdest or most unexpected thing that happened when you were either planning a race or putting like the, the race is actually happening and something happens? So in 2012, there was Hurricane Sandy, which ended up canceling the New York City Marathon. And that was a really big deal in our industry. We never had something so large and so planned and so close. I mean, you know, it was two days away, been canceled at that level on that scale. Ever since then, it's been, the industry has, has been hard hit. 2013 was the Boston bombings at the Boston Marathon. In 2016, 2017, and 2018, there were numerous races in Northern California canceled due to wildfires. And now in 2020, we have the COVID-19 global pandemic. So every time the running industry gets hit by something like this, we, because we are a fairly tight knit group, we try to come up with, well, how can we protect us from this happening in the future? Every time we figure out how to protect ourselves from what happened the last time, something different <laughs> comes and hits us. So, you know, after the Boston Marathon bombings, many races all over the country have really, really uh, serious security plans in place, much more robust than ever in the past. Bomb sniffing dogs, we've got secure entrances where people have to go through the metal detectors, you know, there's lots of things put into place now for, especially for the lar very large races, but nobody had plans set up for a global pandemic. Yeah. So from a business perspective, then if a race gets canceled, how does that affect the company who's putting on the race? So let's say we own a race. We had 5,000 entries. We were sold out and we determine okay, due to this pandemic, we're going to have to cancel the race. So we have everyone's money. So now we can determine a couple of different paths. We can refund everybody. We can defer everyone into next year's race. And that deferment sometimes is, we're going to let you run next year for free. You, we already have your money. We're just going to roll your registration right over. Or we could say, we're going to let you run next year at 50% off. Another example could just be like, we're going to change the race to being a virtual race and we're going to mail you your shirt and medal. So the way that an organization would determine which of those many paths they need to take would probably be backed up to, okay, well, how far out did I cancel? Did I already order my 5,000 shirts? Did I already order my 5,000 medals? Have I already spent all this money that the runners gave me to register for the race. They're dating their shirts. They're dating their medals. Yeah. You know, this is the, the 2020 blah, blah, blah race. And so what are we going to do if we keep these until next year? You know, so we have to give them away. I always tell people that when a race director or a company has to cancel a race, that is the worst day of the year. You mm -hmm. know, nobody, nobody goes into this business and nobody plans a race it to be canceled. That is a lose-lose across the board. And so if they are saying they can't give you their money back, it's not because 
they want to pocket it and sail off to Mexico. It's because they had hard expenditures that are gone. You know, that money is gone. And, and I don't mean that in, to sound irresponsible, but that's the way that our business works. I mean, many of the shirt companies and the metal companies are outsourced from China and that stuff takes months to order and to to get ready. How do you explain to to those people that this thing that you've been looking forward to and working towards is now changed or off um, entirely? What we have kind of learned is that we have to be transparent, that we have to be sympathetic to what is going on because not only is it unfortunate for us as a race producer, but I mean, me personally, as a runner, I know how unfortunate it is on the other side for the for the people, for our for our clients, our participants. It, it's just it's very difficult. It's so hard to be able to make any of this okay because a lot of people run and exercise and train as part of their mental health and part of being physically fit. And so when you're not only taking this race away from them, but you're taking away the reason that they're getting out the door every day, that is kind of what we're seeing now is how do we, how do we fix this on a long-term scale? Because right now the running industry, we're kind of just saying, we don't have any idea when we're going to be able to have another race. So you were, I think, supposed to be putting on an event um, in March around the time that COVID-19 started to hit the West, and or at least be much more well-known in the West. Can you walk us through what happened there in terms of decisions and how, I guess, getting more information as it was being presented? And it was coming fast. <laughs> I remember that all of the information was coming fast at that point. Yeah, it is so interesting to look back then and, and to take like that week leading up to, uh, it was the Napa Valley Marathon. So as we got to about Wednesday of race week, things really started to ratchet up. The pace got quite a bit quicker on dealing with the COVID-19 situation. And for us in particular, our title sponsor is Kaiser Permanente, which is of course a large entity in the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to navigate working through what is quickly visually turning into a global pandemic with the healthcare industry as our title sponsor, but as a separate entity in as a healthcare professional, but wanting to keep the lines clear of, well, ultimately this is our race and we get to decide what to do. And races are, they're outdoors which is good, but they are high touch. You're standing at the start line with 2,500 people if it's the Napa Valley Marathon start line and everyone's in close proximity. Everyone's using, you know, a large bank of porta potties. The race starts, there's numerous aid stations. People are grabbing cups of water and drinking them and throwing them on the ground. And then at the finish line, you're handing people bottles of water, you're putting a medal around their neck, everyone's very sweaty, you know, breathing hard, lots of opportunities for all of the things that are the easy transmitted COVID-19 disease, so, or virus. So we had to kind of take all of those things into consideration and say, well, do we, do we have medals on the table for people to just pick up 
so that we're not touching them? And can we still have aid stations? Is that safe to do? Fast forward a week, totally different ballgame. The LA Marathon happened one week later, and that was very questionable. You know, I know that they operated it as safely as possible, and we, we don't, I don't know that we could ever know the outcome. You know, did anyone get the virus from that event? It, it would be so yeah. difficult to know. But the, the optics of what was going on one week later was wildly different than on March 1st. Yeah. There's no facts because we're not, not there yet, but just kind of thinking through it with me. How do you make part of Everybody's so anxious and jumpy about social interaction right now. So how do you make people feel safe about races in the future? Like, is there something that can be done for, for that to happen, do you think? For us in California, mass participation events are in, in phase four is what we're calling it. And that is when there is a treatment or a vaccine. And so there's a part of me that feels that people aren't going to feel totally safe until they've, they have the vaccine. Um, And then, and then it's just going to be like, okay, you know, business as usual. And so I think that for me personally, as a business owner, that is the part that I struggle with the most is I'm ready to think outside the box. I want to come up with ideas that can get us back out there quicker, but I don't want to waste my time if we're really just waiting for a vaccine, Yeah, you know? And so I have to fight that urge to like, in my mind, it's being lazy, you know, but like, I need to stay positive. I need to stay critical thinking and creative thinking on what can be done. But also, you know, I kind of think we're waiting for a vaccine. Yeah, no, it's understandable, especially when so much of your work is so much planning in order for things to go right. If if you don't have the data to make the plans, it would all be for naught if you do if you move into it too soon. So, what are you working on right now with the business? I would say we're ninety nine percent sure that the rest of our twenty twenty, unfortunately, is is a giant cancellation. Yeah. That is difficult and it's hard to navigate in the sense that we're, we're a small business. It's my husband, myself, and we have one, one other employee. For me as a business owner, I am fairly busy. I mean, there, there's lots of things to navigate. There's lots of <laughs> financial modeling to do for better or worse <laughs> yeah. on what the rest of the year looks like. But we have our two biggest events for us personally as a company are on February 1st and March 1st. And so we are still operating as though 2021 is a go. What do you think marathons will look like uh, when all of this is over? I I think personally, it's going to be an emotional experience. Um, And I'm very much looking forward to it. But I know that it's going to be very different. In the process of waiting until that time, we are going to have companies that we have worked with that no longer exist. You know, whether that's a shirt company or a metal company or maybe a security company that we've hired that that didn't make it through this and had to close their doors. And certainly our operational procedures and production for the event is going to look different. And even if we do have the vaccine, 
I know it's going to change some of the operational elements and it's not going to be business as usual anymore. Just the way the Boston bombing changed how all races kind of prepare for their security. Um, And even if it's something as small as needing to have all of our runners upload their vaccine certificate into the race registration system so that we know you know, they can come to the event. It's definitely going to change. So you said that you were, um, you're working to stay positive. What kind of things are you doing or what are you, what are you looking forward to right now? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I right now, I feel like I've, I've wallowed. (laughs) I've, I've walked away a few times from the positivity that I need to have Mm -hmm. and, and taken a moment to just be sad and feel like, I built this company that I own from the ground up. And in four years, I, I saw a great deal of success, which was fantastic. I'm very proud of what, what I've built. And, and I feel very privileged to work in a space that I love as a person, you know, as a runner, I feel very fortunate to do what I love. And my husband and I in particular, Blistering Pace Race Management is blowing to weather the storm we've put ourselves in a position to weather the storm and we have to be positive that when we come out of this, all the runners that we know, all of the people in, in our communities that we know to be runners are going to be ready to rejoin us and, and kind of meet us back on the starting line. I guess I didn't realize or think about just how much goes into planning a race or large events in general. I've always just showed up at them, like everyone else, seen them happen, and thought, hey, this thing runs pretty smoothly. Michelle's job, one she excels at, requires her to think several steps ahead, organize and anticipate those steps on the fly, and create contingencies if any step goes awry. So I'm confident that once races can happen again, her meticulous nature will ensure safe and enjoyable races. In the meantime, runners are continuing to take to the streets, albeit alone. But once they're able to run together, no doubt the solidarity runners feel during a marathon will be magnified. It is, after all, a metaphor for what people can do when they come together in cooperation and determination. If you'd like to see what races Michelle has organized in the past and will have on deck in the future, check out blisteringpace.com. And you can also find Michelle on Instagram at lastsala916. Call Paul is produced by Ruth Eddy and is a MailChimp original podcast. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast player so you can hear more stories like this one from other small business owners. To learn about my thoughts on business and living online, you can hop on my newsletter by visiting sundaydispatches.com. And if you're a small business who's adapting and becoming more resilient, we'd like to hear from you. So send us an email to callpaul at mailchimp.com.